Welcome to Hive Mind. I'm Meg. I'm here with Eli. How's it going, Eli? Good, Meg. How are you? I am great. What have you been watching? I forgot to tell you a few weeks ago, I watched on a plane. Don't worry, darling. <laughs> yeah. I finally watched it. Okay. Tell me everything. Listen. Okay. This was a movie that I was like, when I saw the previews, I was resistant to seeing it because it looked bad to me. But then you thought it looked fun mm -hmm. and then all the press mm -hmm. happened and then i was like then i'm definitely not gonna see it and it, it like it's rotten tomato score is abysmal <laughs> whatever so i was like okay good i don't have to see this movie but i was on a plane and i was running out of options you know so i was like you know what i'm finally gonna watch this and i gotta tell you i think critics were too hard on it yeah i think critics were too hard it, it is i didn't love it but the aesthetic is very cool mm -hmm. By and large, the performances are pretty good in it. Kate Berlant's great. Uh, Kate Berlant is great in it. I love I love her in everything. I think, uh, it, it, the I was engaged in it. Um, I I knew the twist, and so I don't know if that was very predictable or not because I just knew it going in. Yeah. Um, but I I kind of thought like, oh, if I didn't know the twist, this might have been like a pretty interesting twist to get to yeah i felt that way and maybe i'm a sucker but when the twist twist was revealed i was like oh interesting yeah because i just thought it was going to be stepford wives like yeah. it was just a recreation of stepford wives and it kind of is but not not totally um so i don't know i honestly i give the movie like a b yeah and i feel like people are giving the movie a d and i, I don't think that's i i think the press swayed people to be more negative toward this movie than they should have been. Yeah, you know I think it's a B minus, but yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, so I don't know. It's a good time. Okay, so I watched, I was out of town this week, so I was in a hotel, so TV was a thing yeah. in my life. Okay. Um, and so I turned on TV and I was getting ready for bed and Into the Wild was just starting on HBO. Do you remember the movie Into the Wild? This is about the guy in 1990. It's a true story who like, ditched his family. I hate that movie. Tell me why you hate I it. I hate it. I tell me why you hate He's it. He's such an idiot and such like a jerk and like the epitome <laughs> of like the aughts hipsterdom where oh. it's like I'm going to pretend to be poor. Yes. And miserable and dirty and then die. Yes. Yeah. So this this guy like ditched his family, his parents and his sister disappeared into the wild, travels across the country very nomad land except in nomad land the people are likable and like they're doing it because they're poor he's just doing it because he's he's above society yeah and and then he eventually makes it to alaska where he just like dies in the wilderness because he doesn't know what he's doing because he's an idiot because he's an idiot i watched this on a date uh, and i turned to the date and i was like can we please watch something else i cannot do this okay so meg here's the thing i when i first saw this movie i think i was in college and i I mostly liked it. Um, the story is interesting. Uh, the performances are pretty good from some of the people in it. So um, Catherine Keen Keener Keen uh -huh. is in it, who I love. Keener, yeah. Keener. Um, I love her, and I think she's really good in the movie. Um, Kristen Stewart has a small role in it, and I think sure. she's actually pretty good. My theory about Kristen Stewart is she's a decent actress in as a supporting actress. You just she's not great she can't in anchor a movie yeah she can't anchor a movie i think okay she's pretty good in it you know whatever but i had kind of forgotten how insufferable the movie was because it, the new the film is being narrated by the guy's sister who's like back at home with the parents and she's like i think she wrote a book about it and like 
the movie is based off of oh, her book. Oh, this is a true story. Oh, it's a true story. This is a true story. Oof. So um, the sisters like is constantly doing like voiceover, but she's so dramatic. And it's like, my brother went off into the wilderness haunted by the ghosts of our family. And it's just, it's like so pretentious and obnoxious. And they, she keeps talking about how, like how he, he kind of felt like he had to do this because of the, all of the bad things that had happened in his past with their family. And like, this was his way to like escape the, the terrible things their parents did to them. And, and I didn't remember the plot of this, but I was like, I was like, oh, did he like have a really abusive childhood or like what no. is they they finally she finally reveals it. And the ghosts of his past and the bad things his parents did to him were they almost got divorced when he was 10. That's the big reveal. I know. Meg, they didn't get divorced. No. The parents are still together. They're like, you know, worried about their son and trying to find him. But she's like, our parents told set us down one day and told us they were getting divorced. And they asked us to choose who they wanted to live with. They ultimately didn't get divorced, but that hung over <laughs> our heads. And I was like, what? And like, it's like a rel relatively wealthy family. They're supportive. They like paid for his college. They're obviously worried about him. And there, there's this one, one scene that I really appreciate in this movie that... Because my concern is that this film is, like, not self-aware about how obnoxious it is. Yeah. Um, but there's this one scene that, like, kind of helps where Catherine Keener is a hippie on the road. She and her husband are, like, kind of traveling around the western United States. And they run into him and spend a few days with him. And he starts complaining about, like, how bad his parents are. And she says, like, be fair, you look like a you look like a loved kid. Yeah. And, like, that's, like, the one nod that they give to, like, this kid is just uh, he's just obnoxious yeah and then ultimately he dies because you don't know what he's doing okay i just wanted to get that off my chest i um disagree with college age eli i hate this movie <laughs> we didn't know what we didn't know you know we didn't know i mean we we loved garden state back then too oh no we didn't okay what else <laughs> oh yeah you never did no. you never did you were you were better than me like <laughs> um okay so yesterday i was on a flight back to Salt Lake City and I saw that my plane had all of season one of Fleabag. I want to talk to you about something. Okay, I love Fleabag. Fleabag yeah. is so great. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to just watch all. I have time to watch all of season one of Fleabag. It's like two and a half hours. That's how long my flight is. So I start watching this thing and I had really forgotten how much sex is in that show. Uh -huh. And like pretty, it, there's not really nudity, but like the sex scenes are pretty graphic. And it is so uncomfortable to watch on a plane to watch a movie on a plane that suddenly has like nudity or like a graphic sex scene. And I never know what to do because I'm like, I feel like if people look over right now and see what's on my screen, they're going to think I'm a pervert. But like, I also don't want to be that guy who's like, I'm turning this off because I'm offended because obviously like I'm not offended by it because like I've watched the series multiple times. Right. Have you ever had that happen? Yeah, I was watching the uh, Woodstock documentary and like <laughs> it gets like pretty graphic pretty quick. And I was like, uh, uh, uh. I think I like actually covered the screen for a minute. Not because I was like, I was just like, what if they're kids? Yes. You know, like what if they're kids? So this was my question because I feel like 10, 10 years ago, like films were edited yeah, on they planes. Edited it. Did they just not edit them anymore? No, I think because we all have our own little individual screens. But I remember having my own individual screen and having films be edited. But for we were content. all watching the same one. No, 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 no. I remember like choosing a film oh, really? and having it edited, but 
And and it seems like they would they wouldn't edit language, but they would edit nudity, which like which that makes, makes sense, sense that to makes me because yeah. you're like in a public place and like kids are all around the I plane. I started to watch James Bond and there was a kid nearby and it was like so violent. I was like, oh, you probably should watch this. Like this kid's going to see like a lot of violence. Yeah, it's just it's kind of an interesting phenomenon. And I have never heard anybody talk about it, but it, I, we can't be the only ones no. that are like. I, I don't know if I should watch this on this plane because, like, there are children around or people who could be offended. A woman um, next to me tried to give me uh, the Book of Mormon on my flight, so she was probably really offended. So <laughs> I was like, listen, honey, I am you are barking up the wrong tree. Um, she was very nice. But anyway, it was just it's just kind of a weird weird phenomenon I, don't, I guess like i have to like really think about what i'm gonna watch on planes going forward. i know and i'm like why doesn't someone just do this for me like yeah 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 anyway that's what i've been watching what have okay you been but watching? i need you to tell me about survivor because a friend oh. was telling me about survivor and they said the gen z contestants on this show are like completely blowing it up in a really funny way like one girl was like i'm just not happy here i want to live my best truth and oh just like God. left yes she she quit on the first episode I kind of love that. No, it's so it's so frustrating, Meg, because like people try people want to be on this game so bad. Mm. And to see somebody do that is really frustrating. So Jeff Probst used to like burn people to the ground when they quit. Yeah. Um, you know, if they were leaving because of like a health issue or, you know, some something that was like serious, like he was so supportive. But if it was just like, this is harder than I thought, I'm mm -hmm. leaving. He would get he would burn them to the ground like he would be so mad. And he didn't this season, which I thought was really interesting. He was just like, OK, you're quitting. All right. And then he didn't really say anything about it. And um, I listened to a, his Jeff Probst has a podcast where he kind of breaks down episodes. And the podcast hosts, uh, other co-hosts asked him, like, are like, what do you why are you burning her to the ground? And Jeff Probst, and I thought this was so interesting, said. In the days of social media, the internet burns people to the ground so hard that I don't want to contribute to it anymore. Oh. And he's like, she's she is going to hear it from enough people. She doesn't need to hear it from I me. I was thinking that he was worried about the backlash if he was um, burning her to the ground. But no, yeah, okay. no, it's just that he like he's like, no, I just I feel like I just don't want to contribute to it. It's just the social media has become so bad. And he's like, it's hard enough for people who are on our show to like deal with the social media oh. responses to everything they do. And he's like, I'm just not contributing anymore. Why does everybody suck? I don't know. But I thought that was really interesting. Well, um, it, it's a really fun season. There, There is a he's a millennial because I think he's my age from Provo. He's yeah. a gay guy. Uh, he's pretty funny. So, for example, and and he has a very like Utah sense of humor and a very like gay Mormon Utah sense of humor. I don't know how to explain this, but he did this joke that I was like, I feel like this person is from the same place I am based on this joke where he was talking to like this woman and they were like, they were like, we should try and work with Sarah. I can't remember her name. This other one. Let's try and work with her. And yeah, let's see if she wants to work with us. And so they call her over and they're like, Sarah, come here. We need to talk to you. And so Sarah goes over. And as soon as she gets there, he says, it's about your behavior. And it's just like so like that you would say that. No, Skyler, I would say that. Skyler would say that. Skyler would say that. Like, I feel like I a lot of my friends would make that yeah. joke. And we like laughed so hard because it was just like this very there is something I don't know how to explain it, but something very Utah about that yeah. joke to me. Yeah, it's like it's it's about your behavior, and they that. laughed, and you know whatever. But um, 
it, so he's so far he's like pretty fun representation for us love that they're not always good rep representation when we get a utah person in yeah no i know i hold my breath every time <laughs> that's why watching the housewives was so stressful for me <laughs> you know i'm like these are my people i guess i but you know what the the housewives is like such a different beast that i don't sure. think people really associate like i don't I wouldn't watch The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and be like, this is what people in Beverly Hills are like. Yeah, that's fair. Right? Yeah. This is like, it's like, okay, we went to a new city and we found the most insufferable, crazy people there to film a show about them. And it's like, well, you could do that yeah, anywhere. Provo's most eligible really did stress me out. Yeah. <laughs> really, truly. <laughs> yeah, because that was a pretty good cross section of just BYU. <laughs> yeah, it was tough. Uh, anyway, yeah, sur no, Survivor's been really fun this season. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm so happy. Yeah. What have you been watching? Um, we watched the Kenneth Branagh's adaptations of Agatha Christie. So I told you we saw Haunting in Venice, The Haunting in Venice. Mm -hmm. I had not seen Murder on the Orient Express or um, Death on the Nile. Mm -hmm. So we watched those. I fell asleep during the middle of Murder on the Orient Express. So I missed a lot of important plot points, but it was like, fine it was pretty fine okay death on the nile is not fine gal gadot is so beautiful her performance was like watching cardboard talk like what? the most soulless uh-huh terrible acting i've seen in quite a while huh it was tough and <laughs> this is a spoiler so fast forward um as soon as she dies the movie like picks up like oh, it's wow. like markedly better okay. the minute she's gone. Do you think she's good in anything? I think that in Wonder Woman she's doing a lot and she's so beautiful. It's like really yeah. fun to watch her. Yeah. But she doesn't do a ton of talking, so I think okay. she's good in that because it's less dialogue. Okay. And I want to be clear, it's not her accent that makes it bad. It's just like just not good. A acting. little bit soulless. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and then last night we saw Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm -hmm. I oh, what is this? The Martin Scorsese Martin movie Scorsese. Yeah, about yeah, yeah. um Osage. Yeah, it is phenomenal. Really, I am like, it. W it took my breath away. It is so good. Okay. The criticism is obviously this is a white man telling a story about Native Americans, which I think is very fair. Mm -hmm. And I wish that this had been made by um, some some of the Osage tribe who yeah. had the lift that Martin Scorsese has. So enough people were hearing this story. I think he did a really good job with it. I think it's one of those two things can be true. Okay. Um, and I think he actually addresses the complications of being a white man telling the story in the movie in an interesting way. Um, it is amazing best performance of robert de niro's career best performance of leonardo dicaprio's career mm. lily gladstone is like a newcomer who's phenomenal in it it is three and a half hours long yeah i'm really struggling with that um i remember an hour and a half in i was like oh we're probably gonna wrap up and then i was like no we've still got two, two hours hours there was a taylor swift showing Did next you hear door it? <laughs> we heard the concert and a half like uh, i was like hearing the same songs no, all we could hear was like the music oh, okay. and I could like kind of make out what the songs were. But it, this is definitely a long movie. It's a quiet movie. At times it's a slow movie. Okay. I think it could have been cut down a little bit, but mm -hmm. I'm still really glad I saw it. It is a really, really, really good movie. We're obviously going to do an episode about it ahead yeah. of Oscar season, but I'm is excited this, for you to see do it. Do I need to see it in the theater or could I? Because um, I'd love to break it up if I could. I mean... 
I think you need to see it in the theater. It's very beautiful, okay. and the score is really, really, really great. And I don't know if you'd get that same experience at home. <sighs> it's hard. I know it's hard. I was like, I don't know if I can do it. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad I did. Um, speaking of Taylor Swift, did I send you that thing? It's been a while now. Somebody did a TikTok and they said what Taylor Swift sounds like to people who aren't fans of Taylor Swift. And it was a Mar an old Mary Kate and Ashley yeah. Olsen thing. And they're singing, who stole the great Hope diamond? What <laughs> killed the dinosaurs? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. <laughs> Don't come at us. Great track by Mary Kate and <laughs> yeah. Ashley. Honestly, yeah, the track slaps. Thank um, you, Mary Kate yeah, and Ashley. Thank you, the Olsen twins. We watched the second movie in our series of October spooky movies for uh -huh. Hive Mind. It. Stephen King's 1989? Was it 89? It, 86, late 80s. Okay. I understand why the children my age were traumatized when they <laughs> yeah. saw their parents watching this. Mm -hmm. Or I... in my case, when my father made me watch yeah. it with him and I was... Five or six. This is not for six-year-olds. No. It's also not for 36-year-olds. <laughs> and maybe it was at the time, but this felt kind of Beetlejuicy to me. Oh, interesting. I mean, there were a lot of effects that just like kind of left me laughing. Okay. I'm not scared of clowns. I okay. think if I were afraid of clowns, I would have had a much different experience with this movie. Mm -hmm. The only times I was like scared was when there was blood. And there's a few times mm. when there's like blood on screen. And but I'm like, blood is creepy in this. Upset by the premise that this clown eats children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's upsetting. Yeah. Tell me your thoughts. Uh, it, it is so hard for me to evaluate this. It's a, it's a two part miniseries, made for TV miniseries from the late 80s about, uh, you know, Stephen King's It. And um, I watched it as a child. It, tormented my childhood i would have nightmares about pennywise the clown are you afraid of clowns i am because of this movie okay like uh, still to this day meg like i think i told you i believe that if i saw this for the first time now i would kind of laugh through it like when i watched the exorcist a couple years ago and thought it was a straight-up comedy yeah um but if i had seen the exorcist when i was like 15 it probably would have scared the hell out of me um but because I saw this at an early age and it was so scary to me as a child. And I watched it a lot as a child, like with my friends, we would, you know, have like, okay, we're going to watch the scariest movie of all time this weekend, you know, whatever. And because I have that history with it, it still freaks me out. Like, it's just like so ingrained in my okay. brain that Tim Curry as Pennywise the Clown is scary as hell. So like still to this day, like when it starts... And the little girl's like out and the the wind is blowing, the the clothes hanging on the line. And it like like a, a, a sheet like quickly kind of blows to the side and you just like catch a glimpse of Tim Curry. I still get the chills. Okay. Like I'm just like, oh, like it, he's so creepy. And anytime they're down in the sewer with the clown, I think it's like I still think it's genuinely creepy. Okay. I agree with you. I think the blood like when the blood comes up out of the sink, I think it's like creepy. Yeah. Um, But... A lot of this, a lot of the special effects have not aged well. No. Um, the adult performances in part two, because in part one they're all children, in part two they're they're adults. The adult performances are pretty hammy. Mm -hmm. Um, that whereas I think the children's performances are pretty good. The children's performances are pretty good. The children's performances felt like one of the better episodes of Goosebumps, and yeah. like 
Yeah. There are some good episodes of Goosebumps. Like, that show hits sometimes. Mm-hmm. The second half is, like, this weird, like, How I Met Your Mother does horror. Like, just this, like, mm-hmm. weird ensemble of, like, kind of famous actors from the 80s who are not doing a good job. Yeah. Yeah. And I and, and I think it helps if you take a step back and remind yourself this was a made-for-TV miniseries. Yeah. Like... It, it played, I think, on two Sundays or maybe it was like a Sunday and a Monday back to back, but it was made for TV. And so, like, it does have very, like, 1990 made for TV movie vibes. Even with in commercial that breaks. Yeah. And you can tell where the commercials yeah. are. Yeah. Because, like, it, it it's very, yeah, it, it's a very, you know, commercial break. Um, All that said, Tim Curry is pretty good in this. Tim Curry's phenomenal in this. Yeah. Tim Curry. Tim Curry. Jeez. Oh, I also watched Clue. I forgot to tell you. Because oh, after this, I was like, I want to watch another Tim Curry. He's so good in that. Um, He is doing like a really amazing job and he's unsettling and one of the great voice actors of our time, I think. He he, he is 85% carrying the movie and the other 15% is the children in part one. Yeah. And um, like, I, I think he genuinely looks creepy. He's like, he he really nails this thing that I think um scars guard kind of failed to do in the remakes in the you know the newer it remakes um where he's he is actually being a clown and like joking and he's doing stuff that like if you were into clown humor you'd be like yeah this is pretty funny clown humor but he's doing it in such a way that it's like really creepy yeah so like he's like telling jokes and like spinning things around and doing all, but but it, it seems so sinister and dead-eyed that you're just like this is like genuinely like i can see why people are scared of clowns yeah like it, it is genuinely creepy and and one thing that i really appreciate about the 80s version compared to the the remake is they didn't really have cgi to rely on yeah and so it's all about the makeup the costuming and the performance and I, I when I went to see the the remakes, I was like really excited to see them because I was like, OK, like now that now there's a budget behind this and it's not going to yeah. feel like a made for TV movie and it's going to have like good performances, which I think it it does. Actually, yeah. I think the the newer films, the performances even from the adults are very good. Um, but the clown to me was not creepy anymore because it was basically just like a computer generated monster monster. OK. And I was just like, oh. Tim Curry like really brought the creep factor to this story in a way that like they can't recreate with computers. I yeah. think I, I that's what I think. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I think it's interesting to compare this to like The Shining because mm-hmm. Stephen King hated The Shining. Yeah, which I think is so wild because yes. I think it's the best adaptation. And then he had mm-hmm. control over this made-for-TV movie. And he insisted that it be so long and it includes so many side plots. And like at one point, Greco is talking to some wife about some guy's future as a screenwriter that like just truly yeah. didn't serve any purpose. Yeah. And was like, this man just doesn't quite understand what it takes to turn a book into a movie. Yeah. Like, I think that's where a screenwriter and a director really matter. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of didn't work out here, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think the adult performances are terrible. Beverly, the there's like <laughs> Beverly is such a weird character. And mm-hmm. I have you read the book? Yeah. In the book, I think it's way more explicit. Yeah. Beverly's relationship with 
a number of these men and then yeah. later one of them. But the way they're like skirting around that is very weird and kind of unexplainable. Yes. Yes. It leaves you like this weird like, now what is going on with her? Because I can't figure it out, but I don't like it. Yeah. They don't know how to interact with her. There's one scene where like one of the male actors is just like rubbing her head. Yeah. And it's like, what is like either make this really clear or cut this character yes. because this is really frustrating. It's it is super, super strange. There is there is so much happening in part two with the adults that just goes without any explanation. Like the adults can't remember the clown until like they get together and like basically jog each other's memories, which I think is really odd. And like, maybe there's a purpose for that. Like, is it childhood trauma that they're blocking out, but it's never explained. Yeah. So they're just like, I don't know. I don't remember that. And it's like, well, why? Because you part one suggested that there was like this period of your lives when this clown was murdering people in front of you and like you had to go down to the sewer to fight the clown and like i, I just think you would all remember that pretty vividly yeah. and it was it was really strange to me that i was just like why don't they remember what happened and and is it is there some kind of magic that that is happening here and if so like we need an explanation. Yeah, give about us an that. explanation. And then there would be like little snippets about characters, but not enough to make them feel whole. Yeah. Like Eddie's mom was maybe lying about him having asthma and yeah. he was getting medicine, but then that's just like dropped immediately. Yeah. Just so many like this did not need to be here. Either let the book be the book or really streamline the movie to make it palatable. So, okay. So here's, here's, here's a, a kind of my, my thought on that too. The, the films, the more recent films, did that yeah they streamlined it i think they over streamlined it and they they took out so so the 1980 whatever version is doing way too much and i think the newer version is doing way too little interesting and so if you watch the newer version it's just like a clown that is like out to kill them and like that's it and it's just like scene after scene of this clown trying to kill them but why the clown is doing this what it is is never really explained at all. And I think like the 1980s version, what what it does well, apart from having Tim Curry involved in it, is I think they do a, an okay job of explaining like what the clown is, is it's evil that has taken a form. Yeah. And the thing that feeds evil is when people are apathetic toward one another, it creates like evil in, in the, that community where like the evil can thrive and it can take a form that like feeds on the people's like apathy and fear. And I think that's like kind of an interesting concept and like that what the kids ultimately learn is like the only way that we can defeat this is to like not have apathy and to like bond together and like love one another and care about one another. And I think like it's actually like a pretty powerful and kind of interesting in some ways, very basic, like good versus evil yeah. plot line. But when I when I went and saw the the newer films, it was just like this clown trying to kill them and it's you never get any explanation for why i i thought that it felt like an afterthought in this the the mm. townspeople were complicit it was like very much told instead of shown toward mm -hmm. the end i'm like you just could have done a little more sooner yeah to establish that and, and it could be it could be that because i've read the book like some of that you're filling that, in the gaps. i'm filling in the gaps yeah. my brain is um i guess what i'm saying is i think the 80s version at least tried to sure. give an explanation where the newer version and if somebody disagrees with me on this i'd love to hear it but i did not feel like the newer version even attempted to give an explanation for any of that okay okay 
I, I mean, I thought the theme of like leaving childhood innocence came across pretty clear, you know, but again, that's like a pretty obvious, yeah. like that's what this is, is symbolic for. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that this is really nostalgic for a lot of people. And I think that it's always going to be something people revisit because of that. Yeah. Me seeing it for the first time in adulthood, it was like, this is kind of hilarious. Yeah. And I, I mean, I will say like, even as kids, we thought the spider at the end was ridiculous. Okay, yeah, that's that is definitely serving Honey I Shrunk the Kids. Yes, I, it, I and I think like that's a pretty popular opinion even back then. Like everybody was like, but what was with the spot? Like, why yeah. does he turn into a giant spider at the end? It's like kind of ridiculous and it looks terrible. Yeah. Um, but like, okay, why, why does he turn into a spider at the end? I don't know, Meg. Okay. And, and I've it's been a long time, but I don't think he does in the book. Oh, really? Like, I think it was something that they did for the miniseries, maybe because he. T- turns into something that like wasn't really doable i can't remember um but i feel like it was a weird choice and in the newer films he doesn't turn into a spider right i have no idea i've never seen into a lot of oh you haven't Uh -uh. oh you you know what i actually do recommend them okay i don't think they're bad films i think they're interesting and i i think it's worth watching and they're not cheesy so like where like your criticism about this these are that they're really cheesy Mm -hmm. um like you're not going to be laughing through it. It's not cheesy. It's just like I just feel like it's the CGI like takes away the creep factor that like was really going for the earlier version. Okay. That that's kind of my big thing. Um, but like the performances are really good in it. You know, um, what's his name from SNL? Bill Hader. Bill Hader is so good in it. And he's not the main guy, right? He's um he's Richie the jo- I think the comedian. The comedian. I okay. I think it's been a few years, but I'm pretty sure he plays Richie the comedian. Okay. Um. But he's he's terrific in it, and like everybody's really good in it. Okay. Um, but, but not Bill Skarsgård. I just I don't think Bill Skarsgård is bad in it. I just think like they re- again they relied on CGI, and so like you don't really I I don't feel like I really got to see Skarsgård doing much because it was just like he would kind of walk in and be like hello, and then suddenly he would like turn into like this giant monster that's like bouncing around the room, and I'm like I, I don't know what of this performance is actually this guy yeah um where again like tim curry it was just like kind of lurking in the shadows and then poking his head out and like being creepy and i i think like it was an amazing performance i told you like one of the kind of interesting facts about this was tim curry knowing that he was like working with children felt like i really need these kids to like actually be afraid of this character if this is going to work and so he he wouldn't interact with them, I think, until production was wrapping and stayed in character and like just stayed creepy. And there are all these pictures you can Google it of Tim Curry, like between scenes or just kind of on set, not being shot. And he looks so scary. And like there's like I think I sent you a picture of him holding an umbrella and like a cigarette <laughs> hanging out of his mouth. And he just looks like pissed to be there. And like apparently people people have said like that worked on the set were like, oh yeah, he was like legit creepy. Like we were all scared of him and then production wrapped and he was like, okay, I had a great time. And Amazing. they were like, okay. <laughs> like, I thought it was interesting that he only had 20 minutes total screen time. He did? Yeah. Oh, oh that is interesting. Yeah. Like just one of those presences who's so menacing that huh? you think about him even when he's not there. So, okay, let me ask you, because you watched part one, what was your opinion of the series just after part one before you started? Um, I was like, that's that's a B. 
like okay. I, for the time I understand why that was so creepy and there were parts that like got me and then part two just really tanked it for me okay. yeah like part yep. one I was like a little unsettled after we finished it part two I was like that was a disaster yeah so um, but I'm glad I've seen it I'm glad yeah. that like I know it now yeah. so we'll be back next week we haven't decided what movie we're gonna do but we'll do we have decide. one more Halloween movie one more left? Halloween movie yes so we'll do one more and then we'll be back next week Texas Chainsaw Massacre Ugh. We'll we'll talk to you later <laughs> goodbye <laughs>